creepy kids. Thanks for tuning in to Maven a Spook. My name is Angela Tarantula, and I will be your hostess of horror tonight. In the first episode of the season, I'm going to be telling you tales of voracious outbreaks. Since we're in the middle of our own modern day pandemic, why not get truly freaked out even more? Our first tale of a voracious outbreak starts in 541 AD, during the Byzantine Empire. It was called the Plague of Justinian, and it was the first pandemic recorded in history. Many scholars believe that the plague started in Egypt, where it was carried over in merchant ships by rodents infested with the disease. The plague killed over 300,000 people by the time it reached Constantinople during its first year of exposure. The emperor, Justinian, reigned over the Byzantine Empire for 38 years. During that time, he was trying to rebuild the Roman Empire, but those efforts were thwarted when the plague hit. The plague hit his military with swift blows that it completely destroyed his forces. So many people were sick. They either died or they were unable to protect his empire. Many people believe the disease was caused by a malevolent spirit or demon. Some even had premonitions of the demon while waking from slumber. Most of those people who saw the demon contracted the disease. People lived in so much fear that they barricaded themselves in their houses. The plague would start off pretty mild in the form of a low fever. After several days, however, when the body would swell with black blisters filled with pus, eventually some of the victims would fall into a deep coma and pass away. Delirium and paranoia would settle in. Some people even attempted suicide because of the fear. The disease progressed in only a matter of days. Before the evolution of science and medicine, people believed in outer worldly influences. Some followers believed that God was punishing them. Priests became to perform exorcisms on victims. Nothing seemed to help. Thousands of people were dying each day from the Justinian plague. People were dying so quickly, there were dead bodies laying all around the streets. Trenches were dug, and the bodies were given mass burials. Some bodies were dumped at sea, but floated back onto the shore, while others were dumped in castle towers and then sealed. The people who were alive started wearing name tags around their wrists in case they died while outside of their home. It was their only way to identify the bodies. The economy plummeted. Sellers, farmers, bakers died off, leaving people with a shortage of food and starving. It was a cycle of suffer and death. The plague was started by a microbe called Yersinia pestis. The main form of initial transmission came from fleas off oriental rodents. The outbreak continued to sweep through the Mediterranean for 225 years, but finally disappearing by 750 CE. If that doesn't make your skin crawl, just wait until our next tale. The Spanish flu was also known as the 1918 flu pandemic. People believed that the Spanish flu originated in Spain, but it was uncertain where the strain came from. Scientists do know, however, it started in Europe. Spain remained neutral during World War I and reported in gory detail about the flu. It killed 25 million people during the first six months. 
Many deaths were result from overcrowding, poor nutrition, and horrible sanitation in living situations on military camps and urban environments. Many victims became ill and eventually died from bacterial pneumonia in the lungs. The surprising fact about this disease is that most of the victims actually survived. However, Native Americans were hit very hard by the disease because of their lack of exposure to past influenza strains. Some communities were even wiped out completely. There is a hypothesis about patients being accidentally poisoned. Patients usually received high doses of aspirin, up to 30 milligrams a day. High dosage of aspirin can lead to internal bleeding. But this hypothesis is not factual, only a belief in the contribution to victims dying during this time. The disease was easily spread because of the circumstances of war and having soldiers exposed to one another in such close environments. Scientists believe the main reason for deaths came from an immune system overreaction to the actual disease itself. Well, that's one way to overreact. Now, all of you buying up the toilet paper, get ready for this next disease, cholera. Cholera is contracted by consuming food or water contaminated with the bacteria Vibrio cholerae. The bacteria is usually found in water contaminated with feces. Dehydration from rapid loss of body fluids is the reason the disease can be deadly if the patient is not treated. The disease's short incubation period of two hours to five days increases the likelihood of outbreaks. Vulnerable to cholera. Oral hydration salts can successfully treat about 80% of cholera patients. In the developed countries, cholera is most often spread by food, in particular seafood, like harvested oysters. Those oysters have come into contact with infected sewage. Once the food is eaten, it spreads through the body. Cholera is still a problem in third world countries, however, because of lack of clean water and sanitation. In 1858, London experienced the Great Stink. The summer was sweltering with high levels of heat. Human waste and industrial scum sat in the River Thames. Inadequate sewage led to several cases of cholera. The stench in the air was disgusting. Many people blamed the illness from the smell that they would call night air, but it actually was from the dirty drinking water and dehydration. Can you feel it in the air tonight? Hopefully not. In the early days of sailing, ports would fly yellow flags to let the ships know that cholera was ashore. Those ships were not allowed to dock for at least 30 to 40 days. A physician named John Snow proposed a link between cholera and contaminated drinking water, but it took 30 years for his disease model to be accepted. The actual bacterium is shaped like, okay, brace yourselves, a tampon. It has a slight curve with a tail hanging from it. Now that's one to remember. People even started to wear special cholera belts in the mid-1800s, fastened around their stomach to try to help with calming the symptoms. Cholera likely originated from India, but it later spread through Europe and Russia. Cholera still affects millions of people and causes thousands of deaths every year. However, surviving and thriving after cholera is extremely high. Survival is primarily related to hydration therapy. 
basically pumping the body full of fluids until the horrible symptoms subside. If that doesn't make you want to wash your hands and drink a bottle of water, I don't know what will. Now let's bring you back again. We're going to 165 AD. It's another plague brought to the Roman Empire by soldiers who were coming from the east. The cause is unknown, but some scholars speculate it was from measles or smallpox. That plague was called the Antonique Plague, and it caused at least 5 million deaths. The plague was spread westward along the Silk Road from China. Traveling sick soldiers only helped to spread the virus towards Rome. Small towns and residents of the Italian peninsula lost most of their residents. The disease caused fevers, skin sores, diarrhea, and sore throats. After a 10-day incubation period, the victim would break out with fever, nausea, and two days later, formulate pustules and sores. Red patches of skin would break out across the body, slowly turning the human into a mass scab lesion and pus. The horrendous pain results in hair loss and a possible onset of gangrene. That is, if the victim survives, as the mortality rate for smallpox has ranged from 60 to 80%. The disease can be passed at any stage via particles or blood released from legions onto those caring for the patients. A mere cough or sneeze can easily transmit the disease from host to impending victim. Mass graves and burials were created for those who died from the plague. The plague impacted the economy, the military, and even religious practices. Religious and physical healing were used simultaneously. The rise of healing cults were a result of the pandemic. They would try to use healing magic to rid the victims of their ailments. Soon, though, healing cults fell out of popularity because they did nothing to calm the plague or to help the victims. The period of Pax Romana, a period of sustained peace and stability, ultimately came to an end. Are you feeling refreshed yet? On to the next and my most favorite. The bubonic plague, also known as the Black Plague, is one of the most well-known and feared diseases of the 14th century. It was spread via the amazing, drumroll please, rat flea. The name Black Plague came from the swollen boobobes, also known as glands, in the victim's neck, armpits, and inner thighs. The gland would turn black as they filled with blood. The victim would swiftly die within 12 hours of being bitten by the flea. The plague started in Central Asia during the 1200s. The Black Death killed about 75 million people. The Black Death originated in the Himalayan mountains with cramped and dirty living conditions. Black rats were widely spread in the mountain communities. A bacteria called Yersinia pestis was the cause of the plague. The fleas would contract the harmful bacteria from the rats and then later pass it on to their human victims. The Black Death was highly contagious. The plague spread at a rate of a mile or more a day. Symptoms included violent headache, chills, vomiting, coughing up blood, lumps the size of an orange underneath the arms. 
Treatment for the disease would include bloodletting and opening the lump with a sharp knife and applying butter, onions, and even figs to draw out the poison. Some would take live frogs and run it over their bodies. Unfortunately, this did not do anything to help, and it ended up killing frogs in the process. They believed the frog would give them immunity to the disease. In fact, the disease actually killed the frogs by making them burst. Victims would die soon after. Life during the bubonic plague was extremely challenging. If Black Death didn't kill you, then you were highly likely to starve. Whole villages were killed. Food was scarce because there were so few to farm the lands and grow food. Interestingly enough, cats and rats were affected, but dogs were not. Most notable were the masks worn during the bubonic plague. This strange accessory was worn by plague doctors who wore these beak-like masks to protect them from being infected because the doctors believed the virus was airborne. To combat the stench, the bad air, the doctors stuffed their beaks with herbs, spices, and dried flowers, commonly lavender. Eventually, the mask was paired with a long jacket sealed with wax, gloves, boots, and a wide-brimmed hat. The plague lost steam once the winter season came. The fleas died off, and people took additional steps to quarantine themselves. There continued to be major outbreaks until 1720, but the disease wasn't as violent as it was during the Middle Ages. So, will the Black Plague ever make a comeback? Well, I hate to break it to you, the disease has never really gone away. In the 1990s, an outbreak in Surat, India, led to a worldwide panic. In 2018, a child in Idaho contracted the disease. A rise of Black Plague is unrealistic and is now an uncommon death sentence. Since 2000, the Center of Disease and Control reports about 1 to 17 cases of plague a year. The plague is now treated with antibiotics, but if it's left untreated, it could turn lethal. What is the best way to prevent catching this disease? Try your best to use repellent in the summer months, where fleas are more prevalent, and avoid sick or dead animals in the wild where possible. Regularly treat your animals for fleas, and make sure to keep your living spaces clean. Today we know more about how to isolate and handle large numbers of ill and dying patients, and we can prescribe antibiotics to combat secondary bacterial infections. Perhaps the best hope lies in improving nutrition, sanitation, and standard of living, which makes patients better able to resist the infections. Pandemics happen every few decades. Follow cleanliness to kill tomorrow's diseases. Have you ever wanted to know sinister meanings behind the happy-go-lucky verses of nursery rhymes? On the next episode of Maven of Spook, I'm going to be telling you the tales of dark nursery rhymes. Make sure to tune in next week. Until then, keep it creepy and happy hauntings.